Welcome to Ill-Natured, a true crime podcast. This is Michelle. And I'm Alyssa. everybody's doing good today thank you for tuning back in to the um saga that is the zodiac yeah mm-hmm. so the people are still here with us welcome to part three Ooh. um we're almost done you think we're gonna have what one more yeah it's gonna be four yeah i think you predicted yeah Damn. well i know me so We've discussed the definite five victims of the Zodiac, and we talked about a few letters and ciphers he sent to police. Now, last week we ended with some possible other victims of the Zodiac. There was a couple stabbed to death on a beach in Santa Barbara, and then a young mother claimed she had accepted a ride from the Zodiac. Mm-hmm. The last correspondence we had from Zodiac was his My Name Is letter that included the 13 symbol cipher and a bus bomb diagram. And honestly, the more I look at Kathleen John's abduction, the more I'm just not 100% sure that the Zodiac um, did it. It was sketch, but I also think he would have killed her. If it was the Zodiac, he wouldn't have. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like he didn't... Now, she, and we'll discuss this in part four, but she points somebody out as who abducted her. Uh-huh. And he is one of, the, one of the suspects of the Zodiac, but I don't think he was the Zodiac killer. Now, I think he could have done that. Right. But that's the problem with people trying to tie all of these to one person. I think all of these could have happened by right multiple people. Yep. So... I am not going to tell you the suspect's name quite yet because I'm going to keep you on the edge of your seats so you come back next week. Um, but people do speculate the cipher really could have had the killer's name in it, but it hasn't been officially solved yet and it probably never will because of how short the cipher is. There's no definite way you can say, oh yeah, that's yeah the right thing. So Yeah, he did it on purpose. What a boob. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So. You think it was his name? Didn't you say people think it's his name? Yeah, like, there's one book I read that believed he knew the name. Uh Just because the person he believes it is has 13 letters in their name, so. I mean, could be. Could be. Well, we'll never know for sure, but. Maybe we will. I don't know. But anyways, April 29th, 1970, the Chronicle received the 10th Zodiac letter. This was another greeting card that would be called the Dragon Card. On the cover were two farmers or some of, or some like kind of dude that was riding um, a donkey and the other was riding a dragon. It said, quote, sorry to hear your ass is a dragon, end quote. And he wrote, I hope you enjoy yourselves when I have my blast. P.S. On back. 
and then he had his symbol like crossed with the circle. And then on the back of the card, he wrote, If you don't want me to have this blast, you must do two things. One, tell everyone about the bus bomb with all the details. Two, I would like to see some nice zodiac buttons wandering around town. Everyone else has buttons like Peace Symbol, Black Power, Melvin Eats Blubber, etc. Well, it would cheer me up considerably if I saw a lot of people wearing my button. Please, no nasty ones like Melvin's. Thank you. Do what? Uh, what year was this? 1970. What? Do we think this was really him? Yeah. Okay. A lot of these are tied to the Zodiac because the handwriting has been yeah. studied and Analyzed. studied. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they confirmed it was all written by the same person. Because gotcha. I listened to the Monster Podcast by Payne Lindsay. Uh -huh. And they had somebody talk about, like, you can tell by how... So it how it was written the all kind the ratios of all the letters all yeah. kinds of crap like that. So yeah, but do your dot garage. Yeah, and so Zodiac called out Melvin Belli again. This is the second or third time because he sent him a card. Remember at yep. Christmas the, the attorney. last episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then thinks he's going to get buttons made. He's. I don't know. It's kind of delusional how he thinks he's going to have people of the area wearing what? Zodiac buttons. Like, he's murdered five people and claimed to have murdered, like, you're, a lot you're more. You're a murderer, sore. Sore? Yes, sir. You're not a philanthropist or somebody <laughs> that we love. Why would anybody wear your buttons? Especially now that you're requesting them. Like, right. then they wouldn't have been nice buttons anyways. Nobody would have worn them anyway, but especially not now that you have requested that people wear them. Right. I, don't, I just don't understand. But there was a press conference telling people of the Zodiac's threats, but never reproduced the diagram. Just, I mean, obviously, yeah, you don't want to reproduce a diagram of a bomb for all of the crazies out there. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> and, of course, there was never any Zodiac buttons made or worn. Good. And two months later, another Zodiac letter was sent. It was June 29th, 1970. And it read, quote, This is the Zodiac speaking. I've become very upset with the people of San Fran Bay Area. They have not complied with my wishes for them to wear some nice Zodiac buttons. I promised to punish them if they did not comply by annihilating a full school bus. But now school is out for the summer, so I punished them in another way. I shot a man sitting in a parked car with a 38. Zodiac 12 SFPD 0. The map coupled with this code will tell you where the bomb is set. You have until next fall to dig it up. So they received until next fall. Yeah, so he's claiming that he planted a bomb on like a bus route, a school bus route, and was saying that he planned on wiping a school bus out with the bomb. He's been talking about that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But now that it was summer and school was out, they had until fall to find it and dig it up before school was back in. Okay. This guy just... He aggravates me. Yeah. Well, he aggravates a lot of people, so get in line. Um, uh -huh. They received this letter on a Monday, and the Friday before, there was a San Francisco police officer that was shot while he was in his car. But homicide detective vehemently denied that the Zodiac had anything to do with this officer's death. 
<clears throat> because they said they had already issued an arrest warrant for the murderer. So he was saying that Zodiac was just claiming that he had uh, killed a man even though he did not. Uh, if that's who he was claiming. It was just very coincidental a man had been shot in his car the Friday before this letter was sent. So, yeah, for sure. Um, this is one of the times people definitely believe Zodiac was just claiming victims to seem like be scarier or have his um, quote unquote. for some reason maybe he couldn't kill. Maybe his grandmother was in town or something. Okay. Interesting theory. I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> okay. Maybe he lost his guns. You know. Mm, things happen. Lost his gun. Yeah, that's a possibility, I suppose. What if he was robbed? For real. What if his house was for robbed? For real. He had no, no guns. They took his knives, everything. He wanted to be out there killing, okay. but he couldn't. Another possibility is like maybe he was in prison. Could have been in prison, working out of town. Okay. Because we don't know where he worked. You're right, because we don't know who he is. So, mm -hmm. anyways, mm -hmm. with all That's of right. that aside, Zodiac included a map with this letter that had his crosshairs over the peak of Mount Diablo, also known as Devil's Mountain. Now, on this peak was the naval radio station. Okay. Okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, <clears throat> it's already believed that Zodiac was possibly a part of the military or police, so it's intriguing that this was seemingly pointed towards the naval station where the Civil War was used to plot latitude and longitude for the Bay Area. Mm -hmm. And police searched and searched, and, but have never found a bob on Mount Diablo or anywhere. Yeah. But we'll get into one particular search that was a part of the History Channel miniseries on the Zodiac Killer a little bit later on. Um, July 24th, 1970, the Zodiac Killer came in and he connected himself to another victim. His 12th letter said, quote, This is the Zodiac speaking. I am rather unhappy because you people will not wear some nice Zodiac buttons. So I now have a little list starting with the woman and her baby that I gave a rather interesting ride for a couple hours one evening a few months back that ended in my burning her car where I found them. A lot of people. Okay. I'm interested that, yeah, go, keep going. Okay, okay, yeah. yes ma'am. So a lot of people suspect that she was not a victim of the Zodiac and believe Zodiac was actually trying to take credit for another. Uh. Victim. Uh -huh. And was doing this because Charles Manson and his crew's trial had started for the Sharon Tate murder in June of 1970. So he was fighting for the media's attention. attention. Yeah. But wasn't really out there doing anything. Right. Mm -hmm. Um,. Police were also skeptical skeptical about the Zodiac having any more victims after Paul Stein in general, much less one that had escaped. Because he had never... Right. I mean, the Lake Berryessa was the closest he came to really talking to his victims for a long period of time, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. But it wasn't for two... Like, he wasn't in a car with her dri driving around. Yeah, that was a random... It didn't feel like that was him. Yeah. In Zodiac, the Graysmith book, Graysmith questioned why Zodiac would take credit for this abduction now after all of this time. The Chronicle had stopped printing his letters. 
So what would have made the Zodiac claim Kathleen's abduction? Like, there was only one newspaper that did an article on it mentioning her burning vehicle. It was not a very widely circulated newspaper either, so it wasn't like the Chronicle or anything like that. Right. It was a small newspaper at the time that brought up the question if the Zodiac was from Modesto to have heard about the detail or was he the real doctor. So they were... I thought you said doctor. Like doctor, but a duck. No, abductor. So police or Graysmith, I guess, was questioning whether the Zodiac could have been from Modesto because the Modesto B or whatever the town's newspaper was called Mm -hmm. they're the only ones that did an article that stated kathleen's car was burnt Mm -hmm. so he wrote that in his letter and that led grossmith to say he was either really the zodiac killer or he was from modesto to have heard about it or had just a copy of the newspaper Mm -hmm. picking up what i'm putting down i'm picking it i got i'm picking it so he could not have mentioned it before now, the same reason he did with David Faraday and Betty Lou. He didn't claim those murders until he admitted to it months later after Mike and Darlene's attack. You know, he didn't automatically admit to crimes right after he committed it. But that's just playing devil's advocate, honestly, because I still don't believe she was a Zodiac victim. Mm-mm. Okay. But he thinks Zodiac didn't claim his victim as quickly because he was afraid that Kathleen might have remembered too much about him. And that was dangerous for him because he was afraid of being caught. Right. Because she did escape, but like I said, I still don't, I just don't, I just, doesn't feel, doesn't feel right. But, in saying that, the cab driver didn't feel right to me. Based on his pattern before killing him, right. a, soul, a soul human in a car, in the street, you know, so, right. who knows what this guy's doing? He's a hard nut to crack. I think that's why he never got caught. Oh, yeah, because they couldn't really He's all over the place. Yeah, you couldn't pin an M.O., a victim profile, no. like, nothing. Uh-uh. Well, two days later, according to ZodiacCiphers.com, on July 26th, the Zodiac Killer sent his 13th letter. And it was the longest one yet. Now, I do want to quickly point out that there was a difference in between some of the things that the Zodiac book said and the ZodiacCiphers.com said. So, in the book, it said that the last letter I just read, the Kathleen Johns letter, and this letter that I'm about to read came on the same day. But on the website, it says one came the 24th and then two days later the longest one came so we're gonna go with them coming two days apart so i am just gonna highlight the important parts of this letter because there is some really intense stuff in there and it's really really long so i'll link yeah but i'm gonna i'll 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 read some of the intense stuff so don't worry. Okay. <laughs> um, but I, if you want to read the entire thing, I'll link it in the show notes if anyone's interested. So, per usual, Zodiac starts his correspondence like so. This is the Zodiac speaking. Being that you will not wear some nice buttons. Still on about the buttons. I know. He will not get rid Give of these it. buttons. Dang oh. it. Give it up. But he said. <laughs> Give it up. 
How about wearing some nasty buttons or any kind of buttons that you can think of? If you do not wear any type of buttons, I shall, on top of everything else, torture all 13 of my slaves that I have waiting for me in paradise. Some I shall tie over anthills and watch them scream and twitch and squirm. Others shall have pine splinters driven under their nails and then burned. Others shall be placed in cages and fed salt beef until they are gorged. Then I shall listen to their pleas for water and I shall laugh at them. Others will hang by their thumbs and burn in the sun and I will rub them down with deep heat to warm them up. Others I should skin alive and let them run around screaming. And all billard players I shall have them play in a darkened dungeon cell with crooked crews and twisted shoes. Yes, I shall have great fun inflicting the most delicious of pain to my slaves. As some day it might happen that a victim must be found, I've got a little list, I've got a little list, of society offenders who might be well underground, who would never be missed, who would never be missed. But it really doesn't matter whom you place upon the list, for none of them be missed, none of them be missed. P.S. The Mount Diablo Code concerns radians and number inches along the radians. That was the end of the, the what I'll read to you. So, radians. So, in the Mount Diablo letter he sent, mm-hmm. he's saying that the code to finding the bomb concerns radians. So, like the center of the circle to the outside circle, the radian. Okay. This is a math. Mm-mm. Yes, Mm-mm. it is math. Yeah, but. Mm-mm. Oh, it's not ringing a bell. No, no, no. Mm-mm, mm-mm. It's all right, though. I mean, look, you've rang lots of bells so far this episode. Thank you. Um, um, but but it's not important. It is important. And well, I, I will... everybody else probably gets it. I'm thinking about, like, radon. Like a... Guys, I mean, math is not something that I care about. Too okay, do you see that very lightly colored circle with you, my What's <laughs> you dealing with here? Okay, yeah, okay. So, the line that connects those two circles yeah. that's a radian. If y'all want to see this beautiful drawing on the, the candy stick box, just <sighs> that look I just made. Y'all, excuse my face. Sometimes. Hold that, ma'am. I just Golly, your hands are warm. Anyways, what? They probably know your hands are warm. So, that's what a radian is. And so, he was saying the inches along the radians, like all the radians. Right. Somewhere in there was the code. But anyways, the part he says about a little list and who will never be missed, like one of the last parts I read... He wrote two pages of a scene from... I want to pause really fast and ask if you saw the thing on TikTok where a girl commented on one of our posts and said, why did I think this was a joke about making a podcast, but it's a real podcast? And I said, I don't know. Hope that's a compliment. Check us out. What? I didn't see it. Stop it. I don't think I don't know if she's being ugly, but she said she was gonna listen to us, so shout out if you're listening. Um Sounds like she's being ugly, me, Alyssa. Well, I love your positive attitude though. Well if she's listening, maybe it's not ugly, because we're a legit podcast if you guys didn't know. <laughs> We'd be goofing sometimes, but Well, I mean, we're goofy. And we love true crime. 
He wrote two pages from a scene from the Mikado, which is a Japanese Savoy opera, which is a specific style of comedic opera. Comedic opera? Yeah, so it's supposed to be funny, I suppose, and it's an opera. Mm -hmm. It was first performed in London in 1885, and it was written by W.S. Gilbert and Arthur Sullivan. I'm going to try and give you a brief rundown of the Mikado, just for your knowledge. Okay. Um, so, and it's re- like, this is, like I said, a, like a, com- a comi- comi- comedy, 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 opera, comedic opera. It's supposed to be yeah. funny. So some of these, of yeah, yeah, yeah. some of these names are going to be kind of silly. So please refrain from last- laughing, Michelle. Um. So, it is set in a fictional town of Tijipu, and Nankipu has fled his... Say the names one more time. I'm not I'm, done. <laughs> I'm lost a little bit in this in this lady's comment on... You found um, it? Yeah. Why did I think this video was a joke making fun of podcasts? But this is a for real podcast. L-N-F-A-O. Did you look at the picture of who we're dealing with here? Yeah. I'm not I'm not super concerned. Maybe she'll like the podcast and tell her friends. I just keep trying to think why do we look fake no maybe it's just a goofy video we'll talk about this when we break Mm -hmm. it is set in a fictional town titipu titipu or titipu i would say titipu however however titipu Will be my new pet name for you. <laughs> Titi Poo, get into you. It's spelled T I T A P U. There's no way you can make that not sound like Titty something. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway, so. Comedic opera. Yeah, mm-hmm. here we are. We're already goofing off. We can't. So, and non Poo. Alyssa's looking to me to see what my facial expression is going to be, and I, try, I was trying real hard. To okay, stop looking. Okay, stop looking, Alyssa. Has fled his hometown to avoid being married to some lady that he was set to be married to. Right. Arranged marriage. Uh-huh. Correct. Correct. Now, Nankipu was the emperor Mikado's son, so he's the Mikado's son. Nankipu ends up having some sort of Romeo. <laughs> I'm a middle schooler. I'm sorry. I can't. <clears throat> okay, having some sort of Romeo and Juliet lover thing because he ends up falling in love with Yum Yum. We are professional pro- podcasters here, guys. We cannot do a this live show. This is a show. real thing. Who was already betrothed to someone else. Now, the kicker... What's his name? <laughs> well, I'm about to tell you. 
His, her fiance's name was Coco, and Coco was the Lord High Executioner, which is pretty self-explanatory, if yeah. I say so myself. Yeah. Um, well, when police got the letters and connected Coco's, oh, well, you know, all that, that's the story of the Mikado, the brief rundown. So, when police got the letters and connected Coco's monologue to the Mikado, so what he wrote in his letter was part of Coco's monologue in the Mikado. So, to connect the Mikado back to the Zodiac's letter. Gotcha. So, they realized that the author of the letter had slight variations from their original Mikado, so they believed it was someone who was writing from memory, because it was the same for the most part, just, like, instead of, like, A, it'd be of or the, you know, just slight yep. variations yeah. like that. Right. Someone who knew the play, like, the back of their hand would be writing it from me memory, such as a cast member. But I was curious as to which parts were slightly different because he might not have messed up on purpose. This was not brought up in the Graysmith book. I have not read this anywhere else, mm -hmm. but I read online that the Little List monologue in The Real Mikado, when it's performed, it changes every time it's performed. The list, the, the monologue changes slightly every time it's uh -huh. performed. So they can change it to like certain pop culture references, like politicians, actresses, you know, they change it all the time. Right. So. I still think that could feed into their belief of it being someone who would have played the actor that we'll get into in just a second, but it also, you know, because they would have known that it changes every night slightly, so. Or it could have just been, like, somebody that was obsessed with the Mikado. Those are our two strong options. But Armstrong and Toski believed that the Zodiac Killer could have played Coco in like a high school or college play. So if he did, he, like I said, he would obviously know that the monologue changed every night. I couldn't necessarily determine just how popular the Mikado was back in the 50s and 60s, but I still don't know how many people could basically recite the entire thing back to you, right? So... He had to have some connection because I don't think every 20, 30-something-year-old man walking around in 6970 could recite the Mikado to you. <laughs> mm -mm. I've never even heard of that until no, I have no idea. the Zodiac research. So, Toski and Armstrong allegedly did a thorough search of San Friends, Gilbert and Sullivan Company, former and present actors who played Coco and everyone cleared. So it wasn't anybody in that area that could have done it. Graysmith did connect something that I thought was interesting enough to mention. So the night of Paul Stein's murder... The local theater was actually in rehearsal for opening night of the Mikado. Mm -hmm. So, the theater was only about 13 blocks away from the murder scene. And the entire time the Mikado was running, there was no Zodiac letters. Two days after production closed, though, they received two letters. Interesting. So... Now, Wednesday, October 28, 1970, Zodiac sent a letter addressed specifically to one person. Now, this one person was Paul Avery. And we'll get a little more into him when we discuss a suspect, but a brief synopsis is, 
Um, Paul Avery was the Chronicle's top investigative reporter and had done the majority of the articles on the Zodiac. Uh-huh. This letter you... Or this letter he gets was actually a Halloween card with a dancing skeleton on the front that said, From Your Secret Pal. The lower left of the card read, I feel it in my bones. You ache to know my name, and so I'll clue you in. When Avery opened the card, he read the rest. Quote, but then why spoil our game? Boo, happy Halloween, end quote. He put another skeleton on the inside of the card with a bunch of creepy eyes staring back, and he drew a giant Z. He drew the zodiac symbol, and then he drew another weird mountain-looking symbol that I'll have to post pictures of. Hmm. On the back of the card, he wrote paradise going vertical and slaves going horizontal. Then in each corner, he wrote by fire, by gun, by knife, and by rope. That is a spooky Halloween card, to say the least. Yeah, so I'm going to see if I can pull it up for you. Weird. This guy is just like, I can't wrap my head around any of this. I know. That's why it's like, it's just nuts. And he jumps all over the place. Yeah. So this is the Halloween card. So people started thinking that the Zodiac was singing. Paradise spelled with a C. Oh, yeah, like, he spells everything, like, all kinds of... That's nice, too. Yeah, he's a horrible speller. Yeah, not a good speller. And not, like, not at a good all. human. Oh, yeah, not at all yeah. about either one of those. Uh-uh. So, people started thinking that Zodiac was singling Avery out, and people were like, he's about to take your ass out, man. Like, what do you think? And Avery seemed to not be scared, Mm. but everyone, including him, started wearing I am not Paul Avery buttons. So instead of Zodiac buttons, they started wearing buttons that said I'm not Paul Avery. That's funny. Avery said, quote, it looks like Zodiac has gotten sore at some of the things I have written about him, end quote. Mm-hmm. But all of this media attention led to new tips, and one was about to link a cold case and possibly put Zodiac active a couple years earlier and miles and miles away. Okay. Yeah, so are you interested now? Yeah. 30 minutes into it. <laughs> yeah. So, Paul Avery received an anonymous letter from Southern California. Now, remember, we're in Northern California in the Bay Area around San Francisco. Right, right, right. Now, this is a letter coming from Southern California. And the writer said they had gone to Riverside Police with their theory, but were ignored. Hmm. He wanted Avery to look into the information he had and see what he thought about it. The man explained in his brief overview of his theory that in 1966, a young girl was murdered on Halloween night. Her her murder being still unsolved and the fact that Killer sent letters to the police in the papers upon multiple other things that the writer's reasoning was behind her murder possibly being the Zodiacs. Mm-hmm. On November 9th, 1970, Avery received information on the only unsolved murder in Riverside. Avery laid eyes on the hand-printed letter that was sent and he noticed that the letter was signed with something odd. Something the police at the time had no idea what it meant. It was signed with a letter Z. Mm. Avery decided to go down to Riverside himself and meet with the lead investigator on the case. 
And this is what Paul Avery learned that day. The victim was Sherry Jo Bates, who was only 18 years old. She was Hmm. beautiful, talented, smart. She was an honor student and planned on becoming an airline stewardess. She was a freshman at Riverside City College. She was 5'3 and had blue eyes and blonde hair. The day she was murdered was October 30th, 1966. So it was actually one day before Halloween. Mm -hmm. And she was um, sometime around 4.30 or 5. She had left her house to go to the library on campus. So about 5 o'clock, Joseph Bates, her father, got home and found a note written by Sherry Jo that said that she was headed to the library and she'd be back later. And he ended up leaving the house again. Mm Mm-hmm. She arrived at the library around 6 p.m. and had checked out three books. Now, while she was in the library, it's believed that her killer disabled her car and went inside the library at some point. Mm -hmm. Sherry Jo had come out, tried cranking her car, which ran the battery down. The killer offered her help or a ride, somehow getting her to a dark alleyway alone. Mm -hmm. He attacked her and started to choke her, but she fought back hard enough to rip his watch off, which he ended up leaving at the scene. She actually scratched his face and during this attack screamed. A neighbor had reported hearing an awful scream around 10.15 to 10.45, and a man that was returning to his house in the area reported hearing two screams around 10.30. Apparently, no one, though, decided to go check it out. But honestly, I don't think I'd go prancing around the dark either, but I would have immediately called police. Yeah, absolutely. Because of the medical report later on, police were able to determine that sometime during her attack, she was kicked in the head and she had been stabbed twice in the chest. Her throat had three slashes in it, one that Mm. severed her jugular artery or her jugular vein, excuse me. Her voice box and had slit her throat so hard that she was almost decapitated. Oh, she was I hate found. That. Yeah, oh, me too. Like, gosh. how do you cut somebody's throat so deep that you almost so, slit? Oh. Like, it's hard for me to even like cut through an apple. Yeah, <laughs> an apple. Uh, I mean, for or me, like oh. if you had like a piece of glass or like a splinter or something, you kind of like had to dig it out. Like that's hard to it's do. Hmm. Or, like, trying to, like, get out a, uh, like, an ingrown hair or something. either. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's horrible to me. The head separating from the body, it's, it hurts me for the person that happened to you. Makes me feel a little claustrophobic. Yeah, it's like you're losing your, I don't know, I guess that's why they got rid of the guillotine. Yeah. A little much. It's a bit much. Yeah. Well... She was face down when the killer had stabbed her once in the back. Mm-hmm. Now, Sherry Jo wasn't immediately reported missing, and it wasn't really like they thought she had run away or anything. He just didn't really put two and two together on accident. Her yeah. father didn't really think she was missing until the next morning, so he'd gotten home the night Sherry Jo was murdered and found the note that she had written undisturbed. But had figured his daughter was just out with friends, so he just went to bed. Yeah. And never really questioned it until the next day around 545 when he woke up and realized Sherry Jo was still not home. So he called her friends and started asking around. They had not seen her, so that's when he reported her missing. 
Not even an hour later after he called, the groundskeeper at the college had found Sherry's Joe body. She was found in an alleyway between two vacant houses. Now, was that a coincidence that both of these houses were vacant, or did the killer know that no one lived there, as in did he live in the area? Police were notified and came to the scene promptly. Thankfully, they wrote the scene off ASAP, but unfortunately, there wasn't really much evidence to go off of at the time. They did find a man's Timex watch, which they later theorized that the killer searched for before leaving because of some kind of yeah. messed up dirt. Mm-hmm. And they found a greasy palm print on Sherry Joe's car. Ooh, gross. A greasy palm print. That grosses me out. Yeah. Like, guys. And then found a shoe print. Mm. Now, the boot was only sold in military outlets. and oh, was a military. Yeah. So, okay. there's military connections to... Almost all these, right? Yeah. Um, and the boot size was about 8 to a 10. The autopsy report said they had found debris and human hair or skin underneath her nails. But unfortunately, even with all of this, the police were still stumped and really didn't have a suspect in mind. Now, November 29th, about a month after Sherry Joe's murder, the Riverside Police Department and the Riverside Press Enterprise received a letter typed on teletype paper. I actually found something super interesting when I was looking into who used the teletype paper mostly in 1966. Like, if there was a specific profession or anything that used it more than others. Because in Gary Stewart's book, when he was talking about this specific incident... He said this was often used by railroad clerks, and he said that the suspect he believes is the Zodiac, his father was in the railroad business, so he was like, oh, well, that's the connection. Hmm. But I found something completely different that no other book or site mentioned. I found a website, The History of Computering, said this, quote, Thus, by 1966... When the Inktronic shipped and printed 1,200 characters a minute, it was able to print in BOD or ASCII, which Teletype had developed for, guess who, the Navy, end quote. So there was a specific type of code developed for the Navy. So there was a... The Navy was using this machine and would have had this paper they needed for the machine. Mm-hmm. So, driving the idea further that the killer had a military military background. <laughs> You're military right there. What? A military. A little look. Sorry. Anyways, let me read this letter to you, dearie. You have the letter. I have the letter. All the letters. So, The Confession by, and it has a bunch of, like, blank spaces. And it says, she was young and beautiful, but now she is battered and dead. She is not the first, and she will not be the last. I lie awake thinking about my next victim. Maybe she will be the beautiful blonde that babysits near the little store and walks down the dark alley about evening around seven. Or maybe she will be the shapely brunette that said no when I asked her for a date in high school. 
but maybe it will not be either. Maybe I shall cut off her female parts and deposit them for the whole city to see. So don't make it too easy for me. Keep your sisters, daughters, and wives off the streets and alleys. Miss Bates was stupid. She went to the slaughter like a lamb. She did not put up a struggle, but I did. It was a ball. I first cut the middle wire from the distributor. Then I waited for her in the library and followed her out after two minutes. The battery must have been about dead by then. I then offered to help. She was very willing to talk to me. I told her that my car was down the street and that I would give her a lift home. When we were away from the library walking, I said it was about time. And she asked me, about time for what? I said it was about time for her to die. I grabbed her around the neck with my hand over her mouth and my other hand with a small knife at her throat. She went very willingly. Her breast felt warm and very firm under my hands, but only one thing was on my mind, making her pay for all the brush-offs that she had given me during the years prior. She died hard. She squirmed and shook as I choked her and her lips twitched. She let out a scream once and I kicked her in the head to shut her up. I plunged the knife into her and it broke. I then finished the job by cutting her throat. I am not sick. I am insane. But that will not stop the game. This letter should be published for all to read. It just might save that in the alley. But that's up to you. It will be on your conscience, not mine. Yes, I did make that call to you also. It was just a warning. Beware, I am stalking your girls now. That is horrifying. That entire thing is horrifying. Yeah. I'm disturbed. So... The first similarity that anyone could connect is the killer of Sherry Joe and the Zodiac both taunted police yeah. with letters. They both signed their letters with a Z. Uh-huh. And they had similar misspellings like the word twitch without the T and squirm. Mm. Now the writer and Zodiac also both refer to murder as a game. I wanted to point out the fact people, there was like a one in one million chance that people from two opposite sides of one state would misspell the same two words the same way. Right, right. So, in December of that year, about, what, two months later, there was a poem found by a janitor on the underside of a folding desk in the library. And it was written in blue ink, and it read this, quote, sick of living, unwilling to die. Cut clean, if red, clean. Blood spurting, dripping, spilling all over her new dress. Oh, well, it was red anyways. Life draining into an uncertain death, she won't die. This time, someone will find her, just wait till next time. And it was signed with an R and H. Golly. Yeah, that's freaking nuts. So a lot of people tie this to who killed Cherry Joe, which means possibly yeah. the Zodiac. Yeah. Now, playing devil's advocate here, anyone could have went back and wrote that on the desk yeah, because yeah. it wasn't found until months later, but apparently it did seem to match the handwriting in the letter, mm. some of the Zodiac letters. So in... April of 67, the killer of Sherry Joe actually hand-wrote two letters. One was to the press exchange, and one was to Joseph Bates, her father. Hmm. And they were identical letters that read, Bates had to die. There will be more. 
signed with a weird Z. Mm. So, once Paul Avery saw all, all of this evidence firsthand, he was able to determine that he believed the handwriting in the Bates had the die letters was the same as the Zodiac letters. Yeah. And he got the evidence and hand-delivered it to Sherwood Morrill, who was an expert for the Bureau of Criminal Identification Investigation, questioned documents. So he nice. was going to get an expert to basically tell him, yeah, that's like the same handwriting. Right. Avery showed him first the hand-printed pencil letters in the police file, and Morrill said that looked nothing like the Zodiac's handprinting. But he said that the envelope to the letters, on the other hand, looked a little bit more like it. And then four days later, Morrill said that the Riverside letters were, quote, unquestionably the work of the Zodiac. Hmm. The handprinting scratched on the desk is the same as the let three letters, particularly like that on the envelopes. And this handwriting is by the same person who has been preparing the Zodiac letters that have been received by the Chronicle. End quote. Mm. So basically, Morrill is saying that the person that wrote the letters in Riverside also wrote the Zodiac letters, therefore insinuating that Sherry Joe Bates was murdered by the Zodiac killer two years prior to his first oh, confirmed killing. And who else, you know? Exactly. Mm. But Captain Cross, with the Riverside police at the time, said they had a suspect in mind that they didn't have enough evidence on and believed that Zodiac read about Sherry Joe's murder and claimed it as his own. Mm. So he's claiming that they have a suspect and it is not the Zodiac killer, so the Zodiac killer would have just taken credit for her murder. Mm -hmm. But... Either way, there is really no evidence to prove either theory, unfortunately. Right. Um, on November 17th, Avery wrote an article that was published that day linking the Zodiac to Riverside. Now, like I said briefly earlier, that if this crime, this murder of Sherry Jo Bates really is connected to the Zodiac, that's super huge because that means that this was an earlier murder of his possibly leaving DNA evidence behind or some kind of mistake. Right. I mean, if, if it's one of his first murders. Yep. Now, in the History Channel miniseries on the Zodiac that aired in 2017, the officers at the Riverside Police Department said, again, that they had good suspects but wouldn't release any of the information. Right. And the first time any of Sherry Jo Bates' like clothes or any of her evidence was even seen was on the History Channel documentary. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, they were keeping that really, like, locked up tight. Yeah. And I don't think anyone's still been prosecuted for her murder, so I guess their suspects aren't very good. Okay. If you don't have any evidence. So that's pointing a little bit more towards possibly being Zodiac. But who yep. knows? So March 15, 1971, about four months after the Riverside Connection, the Zodiac wrote again. This time, though, he wrote to the Los Angeles Times, not the Chronicle. He started the letter how he always did and then said, quote, Like I have always said, I am crack proof. If the blue meanies are ever going to catch me, they're best get off their fat asses and do something. Mm. Because the longer they fiddle and fart around, the more slaves I will collect in my afterlife. This guy, man. I do have to give them credit for stumbling across my Riverside activity. 
but they are only finding the easy ones. There are a hell of a lot more down there. The reason that I'm writing to the Times is this. They don't bear me on the back pages like some of the others. SFPD0 Zodiac 17 Plus. So, there's a few things about this letter that we're going to have to discuss. First of all, Zodiac is now claiming 17 plus victims. That's like a huge jump. Right. Even the victim, like even if Sherry Jo Bates is his victim, that's still like way off from 17. So who are who else is he claiming that he murdered? Yep. Now, another interesting thing that I didn't think about, you probably didn't think about, probably and not. most of our listeners probably didn't think about because we live in South Georgia, but he writes fiddle and fart around. That's yeah. like a southern phrase. Right, for sure. So somebody from California is writing that? Yeah. So, that leads into the suspect not being Southern, but having to have visited. Or, if you're in the military, stationed. you get stationed in bases. Yeah, the exactly. So, it's just something to point out to them. Um, yeah. Now, it is interesting, though, that the Zodiac admits to the Riverside murders, but doesn't really give any secret information to confirm he killed her. Right. Which is another reason some people kind of are like, mm, did he I kill her? I think it had know. just been that long, been so long, and he's he's had other victims he's been well, about. Yeah, he's like, whatever, y'all connected me to him. I guess I don't have to prove that I did it because y'all well, connected that's me. that's right. That was the beginning, you know. Mm-hmm. He might not have logged everything in his memory. Well, and no, I don't think I think like even like his first couple murders. You know, the they the police were like, "Oh, are you really the one who did it? Give us more information." And so he was like, "Oh, here's your information." And then cut off Paul Steins sure. to do the evidence. Yeah. But if the police connect you to a murder, why would you have to prove to the police you did it if they've already connected you? Yeah. That's how I would think about it. So, on March 22nd, 1971, Paul Avery received yet another postcard. Now, this is called the Pines Card. It was a picture of the Sierra Club in the Lake Tahoe area, and it had the phrases, Sought Victim 12, Peek Through the Pines, and Around in the Snow. Now, these phrases had been cut from different newspapers and had glued down to the postcard like typical serial killer shit. Right. And police believed this was the works of the Zodiac. I'm not really sure what made them think it was the Zodiac. Right. But they started to believe it was, and that got them looking into missing or murdered people around the Lake Tahoe area. Now, that led to the possibility of the disappearance of Donna Lass to be who the postcard must have been referring to, therefore being a possible another Zodiac's victim. Hmm. So, let's talk about Donna Lass. Donna Lass was a 24-year-old nurse. 24 or 25. I saw her mm-hmm. age uh, around those. But yep. um, she was a nurse who disappeared from the Sahara Tahoe Hotel and Casino. But she disappeared on September 6th, 1970. She was working in the first aid room around 1.30 a.m. and then made a log entry. Um, and she was actually set to be getting off around 3 a.m. 
After seeing her patient, she was supposed to make another log entry around 1.45 a.m., but she never made the entry, and she was never seen again. Now, her car was found parked at her apartment, but she was never seen leaving the Sahara, and there was nothing missing from the apartment except the clothes that she was wearing that night and the purse, which she also had when she went missing. Huh. Yeah, so that's weird. And the next day, an unknown male called her landlord and employer, stating Donna wouldn't be returning due to a family emergency. This call ended up being a hoax, and there had been no trace of her ever since. Who would do that? The hoax, man. That's so screwed up. I know. I wonder if they could trace it back to who called, because that'd be somebody I'd look into, but I couldn't really determine that um donna had actually just moved to that area from san francisco and was working as a nurse at the letterman general hospital at the presidio in san fran now the golden gate bridge is also in this neighborhood investigators have tried searching for her in the land through the pines on the postcard but nothing has ever been found and an article on the South Tahoe Now.com claimed that a former investigator in the Zodiac case admitted in 1999 that he had actually written the card himself. What? Yeah, but I couldn't find anything else on that. That's the problem. Like, I couldn't find the name of this investigator. I couldn't find where that information came from. Nothing. So, I'll have to dig a little bit deeper into that. Hopefully, I can have that answer by next week. Yeah. But... I personally do not think that Donna Lass was a Zodiac victim. I do think there's something interesting that can come up later with one of the suspects, though. Mm. Now, this is another one of these things that people argue she had to be a a victim because this certain suspect is who they liked as the Zodiac. So they're trying to connect her to the Zodiac because they wanted to connect him. And she was, he looks good for her. So that was this. My whole point is just because the suspect isn't the Zodiac killer doesn't mean he isn't responsible for her murder. Yep. Because there's a lot of people we're going to talk about that they're all bad dudes, but that doesn't mean they're the Zodiac. Yep. But it does mean they could have been attached to some of these other victims, victims, which is what brings them into the oh, there has to be the Zodiac yep. in the first place. Yep. So. It is interesting, though, that she was working in the Presidio, which is the same neighborhood that Paul Stein was killed in. Could she have been followed to the Lake Tahoe area or no? Uh, I mean, unlikely, but no one knows for sure. I mean, that's a good just put, you know, good, good. uh, Interesting. Yeah, a little seed to put in your head. Why don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pop it in. In 1972, there would be one more set of murders that would try and be connected to the Zodiac Killer. This would be the earliest murder yet. On June 4th, 1963, so that puts it five years before the first confirmed Zodiac killing. Robert Domingos, 18 years old, and Linda Edwards, 17, had driven to a beach 25 miles away from Santa Barbara. Now, that's the beach that the John Hood and Sandra Garcia were killed on. Uh-huh. People thought 
possibly could have been Zodiac victims. So that's just interesting that it's around the same beach. Yeah, it is. It is believed that they arrived at the beach around 3 in the afternoon and walked down to the water's edge. Someone approached them with pre-cut rope and was holding them at gunpoint to try and tie them up. It's assumed that the attacker told Linda to tie Robert up and then the attacker would tie Linda up. Mm. But Robert's ties were not tied at all and he was not having that ish, so he escaped and put up a fight. That included putting out a few blows before they were able to run for their lives. Unfortunately, though, they were both gunned down with a twenty-two caliber rifle, or gun, and Robert was shot 11 times, Linda was shot 8 times. The killer then drug Robert face down to a shack 30 feet away, and then placed Linda face up on top of him. So, he's laying face down like this, she's like like this. He then cut her bathing suit to show her breasts. Other than that, there was no other sexual interaction with either of the bodies, and the killer attempted to light the shed on fire before he left, but that didn't really work. Golly! Yeah. Their bodies were not found until the next day by a highway patrolman named Paul Schultz. He also found several boxes of Winchester Western Super X long rifle ammunition, which should sound familiar to you. <clears throat> and mm-hmm. um, that's where we're going to start talking about the similarities between these murders and some of the other murders. So, first, we can tell you that <clears throat> the, the murders were a young couple. Like, the first three confirmed attacks. That fits his um, his M.O. Mm-hmm. They were also in a pretty isolated area on a beach near water, which is something we said that the yep. first three attacks were in, that they were in isolated lover's lanes around water. Yep. The ammo used was the same mm-hmm. as the Darlene Farron and Michael Majot attack at the Blue Rock Springs on 4th of July. Mm-hmm. And the way police assumed that Linda was forced to tie Robert up before the attacker tied her up mm-hmm. is the same exact thing that happened at the Lake Berryessa attack. Mm-hmm. That also brings me to the fact, because you asked me about why would he let her tie... Yeah, like why would right. Why would Cecilia yep. tie Brian up? Now, that brings me to the fact... That this is why he would have checked behind, like, Brian's yeah, line. absolutely. He, it's the first thing I thought about. I was like, yeah, because he had, uh, what would you say, experience of screwing up, I right. suppose. Because the guy got out, fought him, still got him. So, oh, he then sucks. checks behind. So, in his second attempt at tying the victims up, he checks behind him so they couldn't run away. Mm-hmm. So, that's just interesting. That is a lot of circumstantial evidence that links the Zodiac, but it's willing enough to mention. Yeah. Um, there's never going to be an official confirmation, I don't believe, but this one's very likely. This yeah. one and the Sherry Jo Bates murder seem the most plausible to me yep. to be the Zodiacs out of all the ones we have mentioned. And that's not even it. Like, I could probably give you two more episodes. I'm not going to, but I could probably give you, like, 
the multiple murders that people try to like tag the Zodiac. Like there's so many yeah, around the California area. It's ridiculous how many people are getting freaking murdered. Yeah. So three years actually passed by before the Zodiac was ever heard from again. Mm-hmm. And it would be January 30th, 1974. Zodiac wrote to the Chronicle and he said, quote, I saw and think the exorcist was the best satir- 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 satirical, 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 satirical comedy that I've ever seen. Signed, yours truly. He plunged himself into the billowy wave and an echo arose from the suicide's graves. Titwillow, titwillow, titwillow. P.S. If I do not see this note in your paper, I will do something nasty, which you know I'm capable of doing. Me, 37, SFPD, zero. So, he referenced the Mikado again when he starts talking about uh, the Titwillow part and all that. That's out of the Mikado. And then he is, like, feeding off the publicity that the Exorcist was getting at the time and saying that it was, like, his favorite, like, satirical comedy. Satirical comedy. Like, making fun of something else. Yeah. Like, that was a scary movie. Like, you didn't even catch me watching it. But, like, he thinks it's supposed to be, like, funny. funny? Yeah, that's weird. Or joke or mocking. Then February 3rd, the same year, was another Zodiac letter. Now, this one, some people don't believe. Like, the Exorcist letter, some people believe is the last confirmed Zodiac letter. Right. And then other people think this next one is. Uh But this one doesn't really, I don't think, have any confirmation. Like, nothing... He doesn't call himself Zodiac or anything in it, so we just don't know. But I'll tell you. Tell me. That February 3rd was a letter, and it said, Dear Mr. Editor, did you know that the initials S-L-A-Y, Symbionese Liberation Army, Army, spell A-L-A and Old, or S-L-A, excuse me, Old Norse word meaning kill a friend, end quote. So, like I said, some people think this is the Zodiac's last confirmed letter. Um, There's 10 plus other letters or cards sent in the following years that some people even contribute to them. But I think a lot of them are hoaxes, probably, or copycat writers. Um, But after the last one, Mm -hmm. there was never, ever any more Zodiac letters. He was never heard from again. So, one last thing I want to mention before we end this episode is talking about the Z340. Now, this is the cipher that wasn't solved for 51 years. Now, remember, this was the cipher that he claimed that if it were solved, it contained his identity and police would have him. Which is kind of silly if it were even a legit name in there. Like, the name could have been anyone's name. Like, that does He could have right. written literally anyone's name. But right. that's besides the point. We're going to be real hopeful here. And we're going to dig into this. Mm-hmm. So, uh, um, <laughs> a very, very long 51 years, some, some might say. And before they finally were able to confirm that it was solved, which in my opinion, I don't know if it's still confirmed that it was solved. But either right. way, we'll get into that in a moment. Um, there were many attempts and failures at solving the Z340. Yeah. Now, we're not going to go into all of them because there was a ton of people that tried to solve it, but we're going to talk about a couple. One I actually stumbled across on 
Google was a master's thesis paper for a San Jose State University student. Huh? And this person gave it a good try, but ultimately only figured out a few words that could possibly be in the cipher. And that was posted in 2009. Then another attempt was on the History Channel series, The Hunt for the Zodiac, which, like I said, aired in 2017. Yeah. Now, Kevin Knight, an expert in artificial intelligence, cryptography, and code breaking from the University of California's Information Science Institute, created a supercomputer named Carmel to think like the Zodiac Killer. Carmel! Yeah. So, him and his team teamed up with Sal Labardera or something. And then another man named Ken Maines, I think. And they did this mini-series on the History Channel, which is really good. It's on Hulu if you're interested in watching it. It's a five-part series. Well, the man that created the supercomputer, like I said, had a crew. And many were skeptical that they could actually solve the cipher at all. Because people, some people believed it was just gibberish. Like, since it, it was, some people thought it was unsolvable that it was just a joke to get the attention off of, like, his trail. Right. Which could still be a possibility, in my opinion. But, the start of the fifth and final episode of the History Channel series starts about starts out by Kevin calling his producer saying he thinks that his code-breaking team, um, or really Craig Bauer from the NSA, had solved the Z340. He was an NSA fellow. Craig had actually called Kevin late one night saying he cracked the cipher, and he was very confident that he had done so. He had actually started by looking at the Z308, which is the first cipher that was sent and solved not much later after it was sent out. He knew that in the first cipher, only one letter was encrypted with itself, and it was the letter E. So E stood for E in the Z308. Now, Craig thought the writer would try and make it a little harder to solve this time and ended up coming to the conclusion that he had encrypted 13 letters within themselves. He also claimed that was why it hadn't been solved quite yet, because professionals would think it was ridiculous to use half of the alphabet as itself. Like, that's kind of, basically the concept of hiding in place sight. Like, they were expecting it to be super hard, but half of the letters stood for themselves. So they just had to fill out half the cipher. Right. Which isn't bad. But the catch is, he teases that there was a name that he uncovered. So, in the beginning of this series, he's like, oh, but yeah, I solved, like, there's a name at the end of this. I found a name. So, Mm -hmm. you're like, oh, that's interesting. You're going to die when you hear the name. (laughs) But, anyways, Kevin was a little more cautious that the Z340 had actually been solved because... People had attempted it for so long, like, could it really be solved? Right. They wanted to dissect it and take a deeper dive into the key. Now, when Craig consulted with Kevin, Kevin decided to show it to the code team and get their opinion on it. Now, this is what the cipher read so far. Mm -hmm. Quote, here it is. I kill both night and day. I live by the gun barrel aim. So quit wishing for game to be over, pig. Is my wrist in locks? Now angry, dangerous, I won't change any of game. End quote. 
So here it is, is how the Black Dahlia murderer started the letter, or maybe a couple letters with. Yep. Um, and we all know that Zodiac used pop culture and took inspiration from a lot of things in his letters. Yep. And we said it time and time again, like I said, about him just kind of being all over the place. Yep. The next line, I kill both night and day, is obvious. Three out of his four confirmed attacks were at night, but the Paul Stein murder hadn't happened yet. And I don't... Yeah, I think the Lake Barrios attack had happened. But either way, the Paul Stein, I don't know if it had. But e anyways, three of the four attacks were at night. Um, and the suspects killing are, you know, both night and day. Talking about murder as a game and calling the cops pigs are also things Zodiac has called. Like said before, that is very yep. much his lingo, if you will. Yep. And he taunted police by saying that he hasn't been caught or locked up yet. Hmm. And he also, this is now, this was a big ringer. If this was the true answer to the cipher, he had misspelled dangerous like he did in the first cipher. Mm -hmm. So, so far, so good for Craig's idea of the cipher. Because he only had the first, like, I think the first eight lines solved. The last nine he couldn't crack. Mm. So, they are, you know, they, they think it's a good idea. And they decide to take it to Carnegie Mellon University to get their opinion on it. So, they meet with Taylor Berg Kilpatrick, who is a professor of artificial science. And is considered one of the world's best academical minds on the 340 cipher. Mm -hmm. And Taylor was actually ecstatic when he saw the cracked, like, the first answer of the eight lines. And believed that that, that was actually possibly the right code. Right. He also suggested that the second half was not bullshit, but just a different cipher or code pattern that the Zodiac used. So, Craig had suggested that since the last nine letters he couldn't solve, maybe those, maybe he just jibber-jabbered the rest of it up. Right. But Taylor's like, well, maybe he just used a different pattern on it uh -huh. and switched up mid-cipher so you couldn't figure out what it was. Yep. And then at the bottom you see a name. And that name is none other than Richard Nixon. Nixon had actually been elected that year, and many people will laugh this off because, like I, I did Not too. Being right. But there is one small theory that people claim in the Zodiac was that it was all a hoax, like the letters, that the serial killer himself wasn't created by police or the newspapers, um, and that you know we'll get onto all that next week. But if it isn't some big old hoax, then the Zodiac was screwing with police and papers at the time in case they didn't crack the code. Right. Like ha ha ha, here I am, the president doing all this. Right. I mean, yeah, <clears throat> I could totally see somebody. I mean, well, this guy's so unpredictable at this point; he could do anything. And it's all a joke and, to him. Like this right, is all a joke. So right. after getting confirmation that Craig's Crack Cipher was believable and a good possibility. Kevin and Craig head to meet with Ed Scheidt. Or, sh yeah, Scheidt. Scheidt. <laughs> the former chairman of the CIA's cryptographic, 
cryptographic cryptographic center yeah. upon looking at the answer that Craig had come up with. Ed congratulated him and said that it was fairly likely that this was the true first half of the cipher. Nice. After yeah. that, I couldn't really find anything else about this particular answer or anyone acknowledging this key, but the big break supposedly would come in December of 2020. Now, the Register posted an article on December 12, 2020 by Thomas Claiborne titled, FBI Confirms Zodiac Killer's 340 Cipher Solved by Trio of Amateur Math and Software Codebreakers. This article said that David Orenchok, a U.S.-based software developer, Sam Blake, a mathematician based in Australia, and Jarl Van Eyck, a programmer based in Belgium, had solved the Z340. A week before this article on December 5th, the trio had submitted their solution to the FBI, and it was confirmed that the solution was correct. The FBI tweeted this on the Thursday after. Tweeted? Yeah. Okay. I don't know if they have to be tweeted. Yeah, they put out statements, I suppose. Um, the FBI is aware that a cipher attributed to the Zodiac Killer was recently solved by private citizens. And then it goes on to acknowledge that the case was still ongoing and they didn't really say much else in, much else in respect for like the victims' families and right, things like right, that. Right. But this is what the... their decoded cipher said I hope you were having lots of fun and trying to catch me that wasn't me on the TV show which brings up a point about me I am not afraid of the gas chamber because it will send me to paradise all the sooner because I now have enough slaves to work for me where everyone else has nothing when they reach paradise so they are afraid of death I am not afraid because I know that my new life is life will be an easy one in paradise death but that was all that uh, that was found really about either of the answers to the Z340. But I think, I don't know, I just don't think if one's really 100% solved from my understanding. Yeah. Because I thought the the first half of the one on the History Channel, I thought that sounded pretty plausible. Right. But I haven't really found anything else about it, so I don't really know. Mm. But... Some people think that the Zodiac just stopped killing. Some people think he died. And then other people think he was arrested for something completely different. Now, in our final installment of the Zodiac Killer, we will discuss the many, many suspects that have popped up over the years, why they are suspects, and what I personally think about each one. So make sure you tune in next week and next Tuesday to join us for the closeout of the Zodiac Killer series. Yeah, I don't want to tell y'all because y'all will go and Google these suspects. But there's, Don't do it. There's I like, have not Googled There's like four or five right now that we're going to discuss at least. That's awesome. So. I can't wait. Y'all hit us up. Tell us what you think of the Zodiac series so far. We've had a couple people say they've really enjoyed it. And we really appreciate the feedback. We really We do. try to go into. I've been trying to go into deep dive. Trying to give you all the information. And yeah. really dug out of tons and tons of research. And tons of different sites. And um, you know source material. Because I wanted to get all of the information I can. And put it out there for one podcast. And. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. But yeah, tune in next week for the last 
uh, installment of our series. And then the week after, Michelle will take it away with whatever. Whatever. But I'll be done talking. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, I don't even know what what I'm doing next week. Remember, I, I talked about, I think I'm going to save that one. <laughs> I'm going to figure it out, though. I'm really feeling culty. Um, so maybe I can find a cult one. Do you do? Yeah. After this, I don't know what I'm going to do, but something that's not going to be this long for sure. <laughs> Probably do a few one episoders. Well, this one's just so crazy. I feel like you can easily leave a lot out, but you have to give it to us. Well, that's the problem. So complicated, right? And I am leaving stuff out. That's the problem. I am leaving stuff out. Any case, it's open and this old. Like you gotta put the work in. Oh, I know. And like, like I said, I'm still leaving stuff out. Like. I still can't give you all the information. I wish you can. That's why I'm going to give you all of my sources, like especially the books that I read mm-hmm. and the podcast I listened to and the channel, like the documentary yep. I watched. Like y'all need to go watch it, get all the information because they, re- and then you can really, really form your opinion, like especially about the yep. suspects that we'll get into. Cause I, there's a few that I cannot even begin to give you all the damning and like evidence against them. So, so, and and we got to remember too. This time, the seventies in California, lots of folks were getting murdered. There were so many serial killers, probably ones that we still don't know about. Maybe we'll never know about. And this guy was thrown in the mix of all that. Yeah. So it's crazy though. I'm enjoying it. I'm ready for those suspects though. I, I need to form my opinion. Well, you'll be able, and I really want y'all to take all of this in. Be in the, 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 the headlights or whatever. And be in the headlights. Yeah, yeah. And y'all need to tell me after next week who you think it is. Because yes. I don't think I'll fully have an opinion until I get done doing my research on the suspects. Yeah. I think there's a few people I can definitely say did not do it. But there's a good possibility it's none of the suspects we are even going to mention. Right. That's right. Like Brittany Drexel. Yeah. A couple of people where I was like, hmm. And then it ended up being some random dude that we never even yeah. have the name of. So so anyways, well, we thank you for, <clears throat> for sticking with us for this one and listening. I'm my voice is to, very scratchy from talking for like an hour and a half. Right. And I've got to drop on my dark skirt. Dark. Woo, it's 11.40. Yeah, I gotta go to bed. Me too. I'm over here. I, I know you're going to sleep the whole time. You don't even know what's going on. I know exactly what's going on, ma'am. Ooh, okay. Don't get fishy, catfish. So, follow us on the Instagram at... Ill Nature Pod. Join our Facebook group. Ill Nature Podcast. We have a TikTok. We've been posting clips of our behind-the-scenes recording. I hope y'all been enjoying it. We've been getting lots of views. Yes. Um, that is at Ill Nature Pod. And you want to email us case suggestions or... Please critiques or you know whatever to help make the show better and make it more yeah. enjoyable for you guys you want to email us if you, if you uh if you hate us send us an email That's if you love us send us an email um you'll need your pod at yahoo.com 
And yeah, we rate, will, review, subscribe. Oh yeah, we gotta do that. The for Please. reals though, the rate, the reviews, and the, the reviews. ratings really help boost our show and get people outside of like South Georgia listening. Like we need more people from all over the place listening. Yeah. And if y'all are not gonna share and invite your friends to the podcast, y'all gotta review our pod so we can review reach it. the outside world. Review it if you're having fun. If you enjoy it, please, please review it. Yeah, so... We uh, love you guys so much. And we will catch you guys on the flip side. Peace.